This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. everybody and welcome to another edition of Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by USCfootball.com. I'm Rose Kilior, joined by Ryan Abraham. And no, that's not a stranger sitting next <laughs> to him. That's Shotgun Sratling without a hat and with a haircut, ladies and gentlemen. He's going all out for his final, uh, what we think, to be determined in person uh, Tunnel How many Vision final show. ones of these that he had? He's had a whole bunch of we these. Gotta send them out right. Okay. You know, it's for the time being. Sure. This is gonna be his final. Hey, we got We didn't get to send Dan off properly, so I'm putting all my energy into sending off Shotgun properly. Perfect. Okay. So we got a fun show for you guys today. We got a lot to talk about. Early signing period is underway. Yesterday was an interesting day for the Trojans. We'll get into that. We'll talk about. What's going to happen tomorrow? We get to talk to Lincoln Riley. He's going to have his first presser, uh, signing day presser Ooh, as head coach for USC. We're also going to see some announcements. Damani Jackson, where is he going to end up? Then we're going to talk about the 2022 schedule. That came out for the Pac-12 conference today. So we'll talk about how USC is shaping up for next season. And, of course, the shotgun farewell. We'll talk about him a little bit. And maybe some favorite memories or whatnot. Or put your favorite memories in the comments. <laughs> wherever you're watching, whether it be uh, Facebook, Periscope, or YouTube. Put your comments, questions, or concerns. We'll try and answer them Answer them as best as we can. If you want to tweet at us, hashtag television. I'll put your tweet up on the screen. Also, just a disclaimer. We were having some def- technical difficulties before the show started. I think everything's okay, but if something goes wonky, we're crossing the fingers, crossing that we we can we can do it and we can get through the show. But just the disclaimer there, and also programming note: we talked about having Brandon Sosna on the show. We got that figured out. We're gonna have a special Tunnel Vision on Monday with USC Athletics Chief of Staff yeah. Brandon Sosna. He'll be in studio with Ryan and I, so that'll be fun. Look forward to that. Out with Shotgun as well. and yeah. with Brandon. I think it'll be somewhere in the Oklahoma or something. Oh yeah, perfect. Somewhere <laughs> in the Oklahoma. Well, a lot to talk about. Like I said, yes. first off, early signing day period. I think the P was very excited, and I think once you have so much hype leading to a day, there's a little bit of a letdown. Where do you guys stand on how USC has fared so far in this recruiting cycle? Yeah, I mean, when you start in the hundreds, right? Like, it's going to be – it's a long climb out. It's like a Batman climbing out of the Bane thing, you know, <laughs> or it's like it's like a long climb to get out of there, you know, like the Bane dungeon thing that he was put in there. Um and, you know, Batman had his back broken. You know, USC lost its head coach, and they bring in Lincoln, Lincoln Riley late. And uh, I think he's done a good job. Obviously, you get, like, three five-star recruits in, in three days. But two of those guys are for next year's class. And one of them was for, you know, Ray Lake Brown. 
uh, for the class of 2022. And, you know, you got a couple announcements, but just wasn't going to be a whole lot. Now, there's, you know, there could be some more still coming tomorrow. Uh, you know, more good news potential for USC. Guys that have signed that won't announce until the All-Star Games coming up. C.J. Williams, who formerly committed to Notre Dame, now is apparently down to USC and UCLA, according to his Twitter, just like half an hour ago or something like that. So there's still some good news out there. And, of course, the transfer portal is going to be a big part of this. But as far as, like, the early signing period – Getting six guys to be signed from high school, and you know, well, one from Australia, it's not going to be as big of a deal as it's normally going to be. I think the 2023 one will be a lot different. This might be the last, actually, December signing period we see. There's just a whole lot of uh, hype around that, like getting rid of this early signing period, which I don't like. I don't think anyone here likes. Uh, so yeah, so it's a little bit, a little underwhelming, I guess you could say. But I think when you look at the when the the full class comes together in February, it's going to be pretty good compared to what they could have been, I think, if you just rolled with Clay Helton or if you brought somebody else in. I think Lincoln Riley's, at least there's some guys that are delayed until February, which mm -hmm. was a little bit better than what we would have seen if everyone just signs in December, which we've seen last year. I think it was like 94% signed in December. A little bit different this cycle because of the coaching carousel. Yeah. You know, how many coaches were on the, on the move and stuff. So a lot of guys said, I'm going to hit the pause button. I'm going to wait in, until February to sign. And for USC, there were some big names that did that that were trending away from USC at this time. They would have signed in December, likely going to sign somewhere else. And, hey, they may still sign somewhere else in February. Sure. But gives USC a better chance. Guys like five-star offensive lineman Devin Campbell, they can potentially get him back on campus for an official visit. Now with a new head coach, you know, they only had basically a week and a half. They had two weekends to try to get recruits in. One weekend was unofficial, all local guys, um, and then the one official visit weekend. Yeah. So now this gives them – you know, once the dead period ends in, I believe, mid-January, um, around Martin Luther King, maybe a week before that, you know, they have three, four weeks where they can bring kids in and have a chance to sell the program, have a full staff eventually, yeah. um, and, and then they'll just get some more clarity on where the roster is going to be on some of the guys that they've told maybe, hey, maybe it's best you go somewhere else, and they're waiting for that decision. Some guys that are waiting to make an NFL decision or a transfer decision, you know, just to get clarity, okay, where do we need to be? really targeting and then what else is going to be in the transfer portal because there's going to be more guys go in right um you know there's today there was a two-year starter from virginia offensive tackle that went in yeah um so you know usc had a former virginia offensive tackle already on campus hey maybe they're bringing in that you know another book one sure yeah um so yesterday on the surface did not look like a very good day for usc one because there were a couple names out there that could have been home runs for a marvin jones jr the five-star linebacker took an official visit to USC last week, middle of the week. Now, just getting him to take that official visit is showing the power yeah, yeah. of USC and the power of Lincoln Riley and his staff. But, you know, we're hearing that you know, USC, Georgia, you know, Florida State in the mix a little bit. And then he doesn't even have a hat, a USC hat on the on the he table. Had three hats, and USC wasn't one of them. Yeah, yeah. so it was like, oh, okay, no, never mind. That's not, a, not actually a possibility. <laughs> Unless he was going to like pull it from yeah. under the table, like, oh, that's psych. I got the you USC know Travis hat. Hunter style. Yeah. Um. So that one, you know, not good optics there for USC. They thought they had a little bit better chance there. Uh, they they missed out on Andre Roy, the offensive lineman, uh, who uh, they were trying to flip from Penn State. He flips, just not to USC. He goes yeah. goes stays in his home state, uh, stays at Maryland. And then 
Actually, the biggest one I think came at night was Elias Ricks announcing that he's yeah, going to go yeah. to Alabama, the number one cornerback transfer on the market, uh, one of the top like three transfers, and a guy from Southern California, legacy from USC. So you thought that USC had a pretty good chance there. He just visited USC uh, with Damani Jackson, some of the other modern day guys that he knew. So looked like they had you know the, the fighters' chance, but. It's Alabama, it's Nick Saban, and he's produced a lot more sure. than what this coaching staff can say they've produced at USC, which is nothing so far. So, uh, you know, I, I think on the optics there, it looks like not, not a good day for USC. They did get a commitment from the linebacker from Georgia, Garrison Madden, who, if you watch his tape, fast, definitely intriguing. Yeah. Now we'll see what he looks like, how long it'll be before he can contribute because he's, he's pretty small uh, or on the smaller side. Uh, at 200 and 210 pounds at 6'2". So there's the frame to add a little bit more weight. Yes. Um, you know, you can use him as an edge guy, different things. Intriguing pickup. But that was about it. You know, they got they signed the five guys that were already – that were currently committed, and they got him, but that was it. Now, behind the scenes, there are some guys that are going to be announcing on January 8th at the All-American game in San Antonio – did USC get any of those commitments? So on the surface, it looks like it wasn't a good day for USC. The coaching staff may be thinking differently because they may have gotten some, going on, some yeah. allies to come in. Um, and, you know, it's just not going to be announced. It's not going to be announced tomorrow. And tomorrow still is a big day. Maybe USC yesterday, Damani Jackson tells them, yeah, I'm in. And so behind the scenes, the coaching staff might be saying, hey, this is a good day, even though we missed out on a couple guys. On the surface, though, did not look like a, a great day for USC. Yeah, USC does have a press conference on Friday instead of Wednesday. And I know you guys talked about this on the Family Feud plug. Uh, right. right. Yeah, good that job. Potentially, <laughs> potentially, that could be good news for USC. Like if they're yeah. going to pick up a couple commitments on a Friday, you'd rather have your press conference on a Friday afternoon instead of on Wednesday. Well, speaking of Damani Jackson, we already have questions flooding in about the status of where he might go. I know we have the war room coming out, but what are what are your thoughts on where he might end up? I think he might end up at USC. He might. <laughs> might. It's a it's a two-team race <laughs> or a two-school race, uh, USC and Alabama. And again, very similar to Lash Ricks, hometown versus Nick Saban. It's yeah. basically the, the battle here. Um, now, Elias Ricks going to Alabama. How does that affect Damani Jackson? Yeah. You know, a guy, if you're looking for immediate playing time and Elias Ricks goes, a guy that's already started – you know, 20-something games in college or whatever, however many it was for LSU and is a big-time player, you're going to be like, maybe that's not the spot for me Yeah. if you want immediate playing time. Damani Jackson is coming off an injury, so how does that affect him? Does he see himself as being ready to go at the beginning? A lot of factors that could go into it, but it is a two-team race. USC's back in the mix after him decommitting earlier. Uh, the Lincoln-Riley hire, Roy Manning, Dante Williams still being on staff is really big because that's his guy. So I, I think there's a great shot for USC. There. But can he close? Right. We'll see. I mean, this is going to be a big one. This is going to be a big one for Lincoln Riley. Like, getting Rayleigh Brown to, to flip over, that's great. This would be a good one. It's getting someone to come back. Yeah. And uh, the the main, the potential behind-the-scenes issue is you know, he was a Dante Williams guy. He was committed to him. And if you thought, okay, well, Dante Williams is running this team now. Well, he's not running the team. He's still on staff, which is good. But that could change the dynamic of things, too. If you thought, well, you were the head coach, and now you're not. And what's going on here? Do I just want to leave? Uh, the state, he had a great official visit to Alabama a couple weeks ago, I think it was. Uh, but a long time USC commit. So that would be a big one. I mean, if you could get another five-star to flip, this is one that flipped away, and that's going to flip back. The reflip. You like the, the pancake thing, the, like the gifts going on on Twitter, the pancakes flipping. This isn't really a flip, though, because he decommitted. 
So yeah, flip is when you're still committed somewhere and you flip, you flip them back. Yeah, there. Jed Fish did that a lot for uh, Arizona. They had a pretty good day. Yeah. So he was tweeting. He's good on the twitters. Like uh, the twitters. Like, he's he's good on the twitter How sphere. Are you? On the twitter sphere, like he's doing doing a lot of the flips and stuff. It was pretty funny, but. Nice. Circling back to something you said earlier, Shotgun, you talked about Devin Campbell. He uh, actually limited his list to Texas and Oklahoma, but since there is time, were you suggesting that USC could get back in it? Yeah, so that, that's the good news is because he had basically eliminated USC, um, but with more time, uh, there's family members that really like USC. You know, Maybe they can say, hey, just come out for a visit. Come visit LA, check it out. And you Who try to want a free visit to LA. And, Come on. and you sell it. And and it, it's a little bit annoying when people like Marvin Jones Jr. Um, doesn't commit to USC. Well, he just wanted a free trip to LA. That's you when you're searching and behind on everything. That's what you have to sell. So yeah. yeah. So what if you get a free trip to LA? Use those free trips to get five stars to come. And if you convince one out of five. To change their mind, and it was worth those five free trips. It was a beautiful weekend too. Last weekend with the official visits, like it's it's been crappy the last few days here in LA. So if you had visitors now, it would be like, yeah. But last weekend it was really nice. So they had all those visitors yeah. in. So that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as uh, offensive linemen still left on the board, Josh Connerly, the five-star tackle out of Washington, and then Dave Luli or Iluli out of Washington as well, four-star offensive uh, guard, I believe. What are you guys feeling about them? Those two. I mean, Connerly is the guy that is kind of a musket for me for USC. Uh, he's a guy West that's, Coast. that's been, West Coast guy from Washington, has been to USC several times this year, unofficial visits. So that means him and his family are flying down on their own dime to come see USC. And that's before you get, you know, you get Lincoln Riley. So now the, the thing is, and, and the positive about Devin Campbell and, and uh, Iuli um, pushing theirs back is USC doesn't have an offensive line coach. So now you hire an offensive line coach. Is that a coach. problem when you're trying to uh, recruit offensive linemen? Is that an issue? Is that a big deal? Usually people like to know who their position yeah. coach is going to be. No one no, – nothing's been complained about more about than the peristyle than the offensive line guys, right? Like everyone wants to know who's, what's going to happen with the offensive line. It doesn't matter. You get a five-star running back. You need offensive linemen. And it's true. But this is going to be a process. And it was trying to put it together. If they brought in Bill Beatonby, it would have been, I think, a different story. Seemed like that was going to be the thing. He ended up staying – uh, I think his wife is from Oklahoma and stuff. So that not getting the the prize offensive line uh, coach that you could get right away, I think that was a, a little bit of a setback. But I think it's going to be a temporary kind of setback. But if they can land a couple of these guys, you know, I mean, I think that would be a really big deal for USC. But it would maybe it would calm the fans down a little bit because they're really upset about the offensive line recruiting. Well, they should be. I mean, the offensive line recruiting has not been good for five years what was the class that had austin jackson elijah vera tucker andrew Voorhees, brett Elon? that was a pretty good one yeah that was a great class <laughs> Jalen mckenzie you had five offensive linemen in that class that have all been you know big time players for you two of them first round picks you get andrew Voorhees and brett Elon to come back that is huge news for them because of how bad the recruiting has been since that year you know justin didich and uh jason rodriguez i believe are the only two Top two, four, seven guys in that group. I can't remember Jonah Monheim. He was kind of on the cusp. He, yeah, he's right on the edge. I think. But I think he was just outside of it. So yeah. you know, two guys, and I believe that's we'll see. Voorhees uh, and uh, Nilon will be six year guys. So in five years, you've had two top two fifty basically uh, recruits. Yeah, that's not a good thing. No. Yeah, when five of them are on the field at the time. Yeah, that's really bad. <laughs> um, so USC's offensive line recruiting has not been good. So yes, fans are going to be clamoring for it, and they should be. But 
that's positive that those guys are pushing it back because you get that offensive line coach in, now you can sell him and you can sell what they're going to do with it and go from there. So just the fact that they pushed it back, that gives USC even that a little bit better of a fighter's chance. Will they land them? Still to be determined, but I think that's positive news for them with the fact that they don't have an offensive line coach yet. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see a ton of roster churn. Like there's going to be a lot of guys there, there going. Already has, the, it's been, it's yeah. going to keep going. There's going to be guys declaring. I think Vivai Malapea, I think he just tweeted out his goodbye. Now he's all, you know, his eligibility is mm-hmm. all gone. Uh, we're updating the scholarship distribution chart, trying to figure out where everyone's going, but there's going to be, it's going to be a constant thing. And I think Lincoln Riley said it best when he did an interview. I forget what it was on the Pac-12 network. network. Um, I mean, everyday signing day, because literally there's going to be things happening all the time with the transfer portal. It doesn't matter about three days in December or one day in February. This is going to be something that's constantly happening. And if you're recruiting and you get someone to sign, like you've got to continue to recruit those players because they could leave at any time. So uh, it's a different world right now. But there's especially when you get a coaching change, there's going to be significant churn uh, in this roster. That's something to watch for. And there was a lot of bodies. I think 19 offensive linemen on scholarship last year. I mean, it's not going to be that many, I think, unless they bring in some uh, some of those transfers. But getting a couple big-time transfers, I think that would help. Uh, but having guys like Andrew Voorhees come back, uh, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And speaking of roster turnover, I don't think we have had, have had a show since this happened, but Keaton Slovis entered the transfer portal. What does that do for USC's quarterback depth and just the future going forward? Keen Slovis. Yeah, so we kind of expected that. I thought either was going to be he's going to declare for the NFL or – um, you know, go to the transfer portal. 24-7 Sports did an interview with Keaton Slovis. Mm-hmm. Um, so we put that that story up there on uscfootball.com. He didn't come out and say it, but it sounded like the draft grade that he got uh, wasn't as good as what he had seen before. And obviously, after that freshman season, everyone was talking about him being a first-round draft pick and all of that. Uh, you know, injuries, everything that sort of happened. He just hadn't had a good couple of years, the COVID year and then this year. Uh, and he wasn't able to finish uh, with that lower leg injury. So... I think this kind of makes sense. Um, I would watch to see where Graham Harrell goes because him and Graham Harrell were very tight. Um, there were some jobs that seemed like Graham Harrell was up for. Uh, Texas Tech didn't look like he's going there. So I think Colorado State, like there were some head coaching jobs. We'll see some, if there's some potential offensive coordinator jobs. But if he lands someplace that they need a quarterback, that's I think that would be a great spot for uh, Keaton Slovis to go. So uh, you wish him well. I mean, great kid. You want to see yeah. him uh, – do well, but yes, big deal for him going to the transfer portal. There's some big time quarterbacks in there, and uh, you know you're gonna have to wait to see. You know, after the bowl game, maybe Caleb Williams from Oklahoma goes in there, and that would that would disrupt everything as well. So it's kind of crazy right now. I mean, it just opens up the door for Jackson Dart Miller Moss to compete under Riley and not be waiting another year. Um, so it's good for them. The question, though, now is can USC get a quarterback in? Because two scholarship quarterbacks is He's not ideal. Hassan, right? He's got a. I mean, he I was think, a former walk on, but I think he, I think he's got he's already at six years, so I, I think, think he, he has get, I, to get a medical exemption to get a seventh year. I think he was pretty confident that he would get get that, so he thinks he's going to be back by uh, I mean, by the uh, by spring, spring football. practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was still doing some stuff, and, and if they get him back, that's great to have as an extra body, a guy yeah. that can you know, if you have a couple injuries in one game, you need a guy to be in there that can make a couple throws. You don't have to yeah. make every throw, but um, and he he looked really good in the spring game before he got injured, so. Uh, you know, that would be really good for USC, but I believe he's at six years right now, so I believe he would have to get a seventh-year medical exemption. And the fact that everyone got that extra year, I don't know how the NCAA, how lenient they're going to be with medical exemptions for a seventh year. Uh, but good for him. The man 
probably has at least two degrees already, maybe working on a third one. <laughs> I mean, that's my dream life right there. I always said that I want to go to school forever. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to go from undergrad to grad to get a doctorate, to, you know, medical school to chiropractor school, whatever. As long as you keep going, you never have to pay the student loans back. Uh, so that was my goal in life. It didn't work, unfortunately, but I was trying for it. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I wish I was on the Mohassan plan. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Now, okay, let's pause the transfer portal talk. Let's just assume pause. Dart is going to be the starter next season. From okay. what you saw in 2021, is he ready for the moment? I mean, he seemed ready in the Washington State game. And then, you know. Yeah, but Washington, USC was going to destroy Washington State regardless. You're such a party pooper, man. <laughs> no, so I'm saying, like, yes, obviously. We, but he was injured, and I don't think we got to see the full Jackson dart later on the season. And I feel like if you're going to have a Lincoln-Riley offense and the, the quarterback's going to be more mobile, we've seen that be very effective, obviously. Uh, and Jackson Dart, I think, has that capability. It seems to work. I think Miller Moss, too. I think he's someone that can you – know, that little spin move he did in the uh, – I missed that during the game, and I just finished doing the rewatch and charting. Uh, How cool was that? Speed watching it uh, the Wednesday before. This was... man was packing and charting at the same time. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But, yeah. I was like, whoa, where would that come from, Miller? But I think that mo- – like, if you're going to see – if Jack Dart's going to end up being the starter, that mobility, I think, is going to come into play. And it just seemed like it was limited uh, later on in the season, yep. so – uh, but I, I feel like that you know he could he could thrive uh, in this offense, and that would be USC fans would love that. Mm-hmm. The the big thing is quarterbacks anytime or any player really, but quarterbacks in particular that first to second year jump. Um, so can he take a jump? Showed a lot of um, flash plays, uh, but also some mistakes. You're like that's a freshman mistake. That's a freshman mistake, including not getting down uh, and getting the big pops that he got um, a couple times. So. You know, just things he's got to learn and take to take a step forward. And I don't think that Lincoln Riley has to have a mobile quarterback. I think that he evolves the offense based on the quarterback. Sure. And I think that he did a fantastic job with Kyler Murray and those guys that were able to do more with their legs. But Baker Mayfield was more of a scrambler than a runner. Um, he get out of trouble. You yeah. Know, use his legs to get out of trouble. Yeah. Right? And I think that, you know, Miller Moss can do – not the same type of stuff, but in a similar vein where, yeah. you know, it's not design runs necessarily for him, but you saw how well the Baker Mayfield offense ran with uh, Oklahoma. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be a, a competition, and I think that's, uh, you know, that's fun for us always. Uh, but if they'll let us chart who the throws are this year. Instead, well, yeah, we don't know what we're going to be able to do for a practice. So if yeah. we get Stay tuned for that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think that you know he'll he'll mold the offense around whichever quarterback there. And I'm curious to see which of those guys takes the biggest jump. Because uh, we saw uh, Jackson Dart was much better in the spring. I thought Miller Moss had a better fall camp. So he took a jump because, you know, the time off. So who makes that jump to the second year? Sometimes you see a guy that, you know, as a freshman he's behind – and suddenly he jumps over somebody. So uh, I think it, I think it's going to be a fascinating competition. I know a lot of people are just assuming that Jackson Dart will be the starter, but I'm not ready to go there yet. No, I mean, you're, it's it's a clean slate, right? Yeah. So if yeah. you're coming with those two guys, you bring in a transfer, whatever it is, like it's going to be a clean slate. Now, if it if it's Caleb Williams, then that, someone that you've already played for Lincoln Riley, yes. that's when it's not a clean slate. That's not a clean slate. And that's when I see, I would see probably Jackson Dart and Miller Moss both at the transfer portal yeah. if that happens. And if you're like, if you're Lincoln Riley and you're like, oh, just start the guy that everyone thinks. But if you see something in Miller Moss that you like better that works for your offense, then you look and he comes in and does well, you look like even more of a genius. You're like, oh, we picked the other guy, you know, so. Sure. Kind of sure. like Keaton Slovis' uh, freshman year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's yeah. what Graham Harrell was like. He's a second-string quarterback? I'm like, nope, he is. JT Danner goes down, boom, put him in there. He has a great year. You're like, oh, like Graham Harrell's really smart. <laughs> then two years later, like, no, he's not. But whatever, you know. <laughs> 
My name is him. Yes. Um, I'm going to circle back to early signing period. Um, something that I want to talk about is Earl Barquette, the the TCU transfer. He's six three, I believe, two seventy seven. Shaka, is he an immediate impact guy given the defensive line depth for USC? Potentially. Um, I think he really fits well into the Alex Grinch scheme. Yes. Uh, you remember at Washington State, Hercules Matahafa was phenomenal, was a beast for them. And he's an undersized defensive tackle. Alex Grinch uses undersized guys, uses their speed and quickness to get uh, you know penetration and get in the backfield rather than just being a big body guy and just taking up blockers. He wants them to go make plays. So I think Earl Bar- Barquette uh, is, is a guy that can do that. You know, seeing some of his clips, didn't have a ton of stats this year, but just seeing some of the clips, you go, there's potential there. And yeah. I think he fits well. I think that's a really good pickup as far as a, a fit for scheme um, rather than just, you know, going off four or five star rating or whatever it may be. I think it's a good scheme pickup there for USC. And it was interesting. He he announced that he had signed. He put a graphic up. USC didn't announce it, though. So it doesn't look like they're going to announce the transfers um, going forward. Or maybe, you know, maybe he was mistaken and it wasn't. Fully signed? Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, the transfers don't do an NLI. They have like a, I mean, a they just sign a financial, financial aid, aid agreement. agreement. Yeah, but he looked like for the Alex Grinch system. If you guys remember, like Hercules Mataafa, like just an undersized kind of. Uh, I think he played more of like a one technique or whatever. But you know, that someone like that would could come in there and really just be quick off the line. I think that's what Alex Grinch likes to do, and you can really put you know put a lot of pressure on opposing offenses. So seems like he would fit that scheme. We'll see. He did. I think he had like twenty tackles or something uh, at TCU the last couple of years. Yeah. Something like that. Given uh, what we are expecting from USC secondary who might leave, uh, what is USC getting in Zion Branch and Fabian Ross? Zion Branch, you're getting not only a uh, terrific safety, a guy who has some room to add a little bit of weight to and does not mind coming down the box and hitting people, um, but you also get a dynamic receiver because more than likely, little brother is coming behind him in the 2023 <laughs> class, and if that's the He's case, even better, I think. Yeah. Zachariah Branch is a five-star wide receiver right now, so that'd be a third five-star in that in that class for USC. So. Um, you know, he's a small, shifty guy. So if you can combine him with really Brown, uh, that would be a dynamic duo. But Zion coming in, you know, it's again, it's a clean slate. But we've already seen Chase Williams hit the portal. We've got decisions still to come for Isaiah Polamal, Greg Johnson. If they take off, then it's going to be a lot of young guys that are going to have to, to step right. up. Now, you've seen Kalen Bullock make a lot of plays. You've seen Xavier Alford uh, make a, a good number of plays at the end of the season. Chris Thompson played in that Cal game, thought he was really good in that role. I don't know. you know, He's a guy that needs to be in the box with his size and yes. can do some different things. Uh, but I think that the, the safety positions, if Paul Mao or Greg Johnson don't come back, um, are going to be wide open. Even if they do, I, I think it's going to be wide open. They're going to prove themselves as the veterans. But So it, it's – it's uh, he's a guy that could be an immediate impact player. I'm always DBs. I think it takes a little bit of time just to learn what college offenses are trying to do different than what than um, high school offenses are doing. So I'm a little a little hesitant to label immediate impact DBs uh, or at least safeties. Cornerbacks sometimes you can do, if you're a man to man guy you can play any anytime anywhere. But I think he's a guy that that. The physicality, the quick recognition, just watching his highlights and, and you know, haven't seen him. And uh, Blair and Gulo, I read some of the stories he's, he's written about him. He, Blair covers the mountain region. He does a really good job of that. Amazing yeah. job. Um, but he talked about how seeing him this year, how much he improved in, in a couple of seasons. Because the only time I've seen him in person was the Under Armour camp 
which was like the last event before the pandemic started. That was a while ago. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's how long it's been since I, I've seen him in person. So I, I think that the the way that Blair talked about how he's taken a big jump as far as he's always had the instincts and stuff, but the willingness to come down in the box and do some different things, a big pickup for USC. And that was a big one. Now, Granted, we, we kind of thought that was going to be the case. It sure. looked like that when it was down to USC and Oklahoma, and you just took the <laughs> Oklahoma coach. Um, but th- that's huge for USC because, again, Bishop Gorman, his teammate Cyrus Moss, is going to be um, going to be signing tomorrow on Friday, but not going to be announcing until January 8th. Another one of those guys. Can he start convincing his teammate? And again, the little brother. Yeah. So, you know, getting back in that Gorman. You want that pipeline going. Yeah, yeah, getting that back because USC has had a couple of Gorman players, but they haven't really made impacts. Pelly and Itiote probably be the, the most notable one. So kind of getting back in that group and, you know, hoping to, you know, as they continue to produce players, USC being on the top of the list. As I mentioned. It's still weird with this hair thing going on. I know. It's very, I'm, I'm right next to him and it's just hard to believe. Like, I already said this, but to you, Ryan, but uh, Shotgun Park next to me, pulled up next to me and I like. Looked and then did a double take and then just stared and I was like, "That's shotgun," but that's not shotgun. It was just so <laughs> odd. I've seen the the curly fro for so long. It's just so odd. It's crazy. Yeah. Um. So like I mentioned, we're gonna uh, have maybe a little more low key press conference with Lincoln Riley on Friday. Our first real press conference was the inter- introductory press conference where everyone and their mom shows up. It's a big fa- fanfare, so it'll be more low key. What are you expecting for tomorrow? I think we might. I mean, you hear about the commitments. I think he'll talk about those guys a little bit. If there's anyone new, uh, those will be, you know, also mentioned and maybe talk about some of the strategy of coming in and what you, you know, what you're able to do and how important the transfer portal is going to be. You know, maybe you hear some announcements of a a couple of transfers. I think uh, if they do get all of the I's dotted and T's crossed for the background background checks for all the assistant coaches maybe that's a, an a, mm. an opportunity to introduce those guys or at least kind of tell you why these people were brought on or what they bring to the table uh things like that i think it will be a little bit more of the local media kind of feel that that other press conference was just it was insanity right like I mean, there were so many people there you had rick russo you had the president like this will be more about like our first regular like sort of usc beat uh press conference with lincoln riley now maybe whole bunch of other people show up that normally wouldn't show up because it's Lincoln Riley. I'm not sure, but I think it's going to be more of a kind of meet the local people and kind of talk about what's been going on. And unfortunately for us, it won't be the same backdrop. You know, we don't get the great backdrop. Of that LA. was pretty good backdrop. Um, yeah. Instead, we'll be they at, nailed that one. They, we'll be they, in Heritage or wherever the the is normally at. So um, it's going to be interesting. Just kind of you know again getting to pick his brain a little bit more. And it's a little bit different kind of venue. Um, it's not. Normally, it's not uh, a ton of TV cameras, and um, so which lends to different questions being asked and whatnot. So uh, I think it just it's a little bit more personal, um, just with when it's a small room. I mean, we've done it with Clay Helton. We've done multiple ones in the little tiny classroom where right, you just right. get these seats to move around yeah, the right direction. The I don't even know how the football players. I don't fit in those seats, and I don't know how the football players do. Like those yeah. are weird ones. Yeah. yeah, definitely weird ones. All right, gentlemen, let's jump into the the schedule. Came oh, yeah. out for the Pac-12 conference. USC, I think it's a pretty favorable schedule, all things considered. Uh, they're going to start out the the home opener in the Coliseum against Rice. That's going to be Lincoln Riley's first game as a Trojan. And they're going to make the trip up to Stanford and then take on Fresno State at home. Then go up to Oregon State, take ASU on at home, Wazoo at home as well. And then they're going to go at Utah, then have a bye week, and then have uh, be back at Arizona 
then face Cal November, and then have a Friday game at home against Colorado, and then be at UCLA, and then finish the season, the regular season, against Notre Dame at home. So it's pretty crazy. USC doesn't have to leave the state of California in the month of November. Not too bad. Uh, I think the bye week is a good time, you know, a little bit on the second half of the season. Uh, One Friday game. It's a home game. That's going to be crappy for LA traffic, but, you know, whatever. Uh, Yeah, I think overall it's fairly favorable. The first two Road games uh, or it, you know, it, conference games are road games. Um, you know, Stanford was was pretty terrible this year. What we call them? What did I say? They were butt. They were butt. But, uh, but Oregon State's good. Like they're you know they're going to a bowl game for the first time in like six years or whatever. So uh, that's not going to be an easy place to to go. Uh, you know, week four. Um, but you know, I think it's fairly favorable. We'll see. You know, with Fresno State, they got coaching turnover. Notre Dame's got coaching turnover. So it's set up pretty well, I think, for USC to make some. Kind of run. Now, it was set up pretty well this year to make some set kind of run. real well this year. And they went 4-8. and eight. Yeah. So, But obviously now you have a, a professional head coach that's been winning for a long time. And uh, that's what USC fans are kind of banking on. So I think the schedule's okay. It looks looks fine. you got to get the roster right. got to get you know finish all the assistant coaching hires and stuff. Get the offseason program going. Sounds like the weight room has been going uh, really well from what we've been hearing. And then kind of roll through. But... It's not going to be like you get through and you build the roster and then you're like, oh, this daunting schedule. It's really not. Um, and the fact that you get you know, UCLA and, and Notre Dame, your very last two games, you can put a whole lot into those last two, the rivalry games and stuff. And if you're you know, 9-1 and one or something at the time, man, you can really uh, do something great. So we'll see. I mean, it's, uh, I think it's set up pretty well. It's not like a schedule. You know, George Klyovkov, the commissioner, had said they're not going to try to like – impede the big programs from you know like oh let's give usc like you know two thursday games and a friday game back-to-back road like they're not going to do that kind of stuff anymore and we didn't see it last year no friday games at all uh one weekday game this year and it's a home so it's not too bad apparently in the cons rolling and it's a it's veterans day as well that that friday so oh so apparently yeah. people might have it off we got two comments out that didn't fact check that Very so we'll cool. see yeah wow that that would be even like that's next level that's that's george claff about playing chess like uh friday because you say like trying to get to the Coliseum at six o'clock on a Friday, like you have to leave at lunch. Like there's no way you're going to get there. Which is perfect. Start your weekend early. Half <laughs> day. People, half people day work. at work. Half day at work. Economy. Chuck, and you have a unique job. <laughs> you can't tell people what to do yeah. with their jobs. That's not true. I, I've worked corporate jobs. Half day. Take well, your half day. Well, it's Veterans Day, so you get the day off. So that's good. Well, so corporate, smart. Corporate I like doesn't that. always mean that you get that holiday off. Chuck, and any thoughts about the schedule? I mean – uh, the positive is that you know they don't have back-to-back road games at all. I, I think, like Ryan said, the bye week comes. Uh, I think it's interesting that UCLA and Notre Dame are finally back-to-back again. Um, is that normally the tradition? Uh, was that was be. that used to be the tradition? It used to I know be, it's like, the first time in like three or four years that it's happened. Um, so people pointed it out. I never, I didn't notice that. It wasn't something that I noticed. I'm also terrible with years and separating which is which type of thing in my head. So. Um, but I, I think that's interesting, you know, having the rivalries, you know, basically around the Thanksgiving holiday. So it's always fun. I mean, yeah. that's what's so great about Thanksgiving football to me is uh, the tradition of, of the, the Lions and Cowboys playing, but also just the rivalries that go on. You know, yeah. the Egg Bowl being on um, on Thanksgiving and, you know, just the hatred that comes with some of those rivalries. <laughs> Lots of hatred, yeah. yeah. No, it's good. I mean, like if you do like – I'm from the East Coast. If you're like, oh, you'd have like your class, high school class reunion, they would always – have it like Thanksgiving, like nope, Notre Dame game. Sorry, can't come. So <laughs> nothing says thankful like 
hatred and rivalry. Yes. All righty. Let's jump into some questions. First one is from Alex, who said, Shotgun, you look awesome. Uh, can someone explain the transfer portal timeline in detail? The timeline? So the timeline, looking at it, is players can go in whenever they want to. And yep. This is something that really irks a lot of coaches because there, there's been times when you know a player goes in the transfer portal and he's taking an official visit two weeks later to a team they just played. Yes. Or a team that's upcoming, and you go, wait, is, is it you know is it Bill Belichick you know, bringing in a free agent yeah. just to you know be able to pick his brain about the next opponent? Basically, like that that really irks the coaches, and maybe that shouldn't be the case. Maybe they should have to wait till after the season and then kind of go like there should be a dead period of you know traveling or, and that, that time. Maybe that should be the case. But the timeline is players can go in whenever they want to. They can sign whenever they want to. And a lot of times you see actually that players don't stay in the portal for long. Uh, guys that are highly coveted, they go in the portal and within a week they have a decision. Yeah. Sometimes know, so, they make some calls ahead of time go before they go into the portal. Yeah, well, some of that is, you know, it's not them making the calls. Their coach calling. Like, coach, I'm not, I don't know if this is the right place for me. You know, I wonder if you know. I wonder if Nebraska has a spot, or I wonder if Oklahoma State. You know, I, I really, I really like that visit during. And and the coach calls up the you know the Oklahoma State coach and says, "I got a player who's looking. You know, he might be interested in coming. You know, would you guys have room for? What's your depth chart look like?" And it goes back. So it's not a direct because if you had direct contact, then it's tampering, right. um, and it would be recruiting violations. But with the middleman, you know, get that all gets done. So players go in the portal. They can sign immediately if they want to, you know, as a school offers them and they want to sign the financial aid agreement. So that's what that's kind of the chaos of it. And that's why it's a like Lincoln Riley said, it's a constant thing, you know, because, like I said, USC brought in a uh, five star or not a five star, a, a, a veteran offensive tackle from Virginia during their official visit weekend. Today, another offensive tackle multi-year starter from Virginia went into it. So, you know, maybe USC likes this guy better, but. The other guys have already brought him in for the visit. And so you're trying to figure out, you're trying to keep space for the coaches, you know, for, you know, if an impact guy comes up or, you know, God forbid you, you know, Brandon Peely goes down with an Achilles injury in spring camp. You're looking out there and you're like, okay, can we find a big run stuffer in the middle and someone goes in the portal? Do you have space for him now? Yeah. And that becomes a big thing. So that's one of the things this year is teams are always allowed 25 initial counters. So the first year, you're allowed 25 guys to come in each uh, signing class each year of the recruiting cycle. This year, if you have if you have up to seven guys leave, seven or more, then you can bring in seven. So it's yeah. a one-for-one one up to seven guys. So you can bring in 32 potential initial counters. Uh, and so you that can be 32 transfers if you really want. Texas State had a, a class that was all transfers last year. Not a single, not a single high school, high school player. player. Crazy, because you're trying to. Some this happens when you're trying to over. A new coach comes in trying to overturn the roster. Um, I don't have time to build guys up. I need guys that are already veterans and that have you know played in college or already bigger or whatever it may be. So that the transfer portal, that is all the craziness of it. Sign up to 32. So that's how you can overturn a roster pretty quickly. And uh, I think Mel Tucker did a really good job of it at Michigan State, yeah. getting a guy like Kenneth Walker. But there's also the threat of overturning your locker room so much that you don't have a culture if you have already established a culture. Um, and I think that happened a little bit at Utah with him putting – Early in Brewer. the season, yeah. But then they got it They got it working, obviously. You know? But what happens if they figure that out before two games earlier? Yeah. They beat San Diego State and they don't lose – what was it, triple overtime to them? Uh, I think they lost to BYU they too. They lost to BYU also, yeah. You win those two games and suddenly they're in the college football playoff. Yeah. 
and they probably would have if Cam Rising was starting. But, you know, it takes a little bit of time to get because they brought in seven, eight, nine impact transfers. It takes a little bit of time for everyone to get into your culture, into your scheme, into your, you know, understanding and fighting for the guy beside you. But it does help if you have Utah where you have an established culture where like Kyle Kyle Whittingham's been there a long time, one of the longest tenured coaches in the country. He has that culture. And even it was still a problem there. So it's not it's not like, oh, just bring in a whole bunch of free agents and it's going to work. It doesn't work that way. But it helps if you do have an established culture like they do. And even if you start off a little rocky, you can get it going and, and make the kind of run that Utah did. Something to note, too, about the transfer portal is that it also has to align with uh, enrolling with school semesters or quarters. So that's something that it's not just a free-for-all where you can just come in once you're in the portal. So that's why there's kind of a wave of of guys coming in. It's either usually over the break, the Mm -hmm. the winter break, or in summer because that's kind of when you need to enroll in that sense. For for USC, it was on the semester rather than quarters. Yeah. Um, Great point by Keeley. And it's just similar to any transfer you know, your normal non-student athlete um, transfer that comes in from LMU or UC Irvine or wherever that comes into USC, they don't get to just start in the middle of the semester right. and just like, oh, I want this class, this class. No, you, you wait till the end of the semester and then you come in, same thing. Yeah, that's the, the student athlete part of that. That whole configuration. <laughs> There's like school. Great, great point, school, though. Like it's not it, just yeah. football, just on school. The time yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wilson on Facebook said, why has Dante Williams been so quiet since he has, uh, he has returned? I mean... It's weird if you go from the voice of the program, the face of the program, to you know calling all the shots, running everything, uh, you know being in the running, you know to be the next head coach at USC because you were for for ten games, and now you're kind of you know might not have been retained, end up being retained. I don't think that's something you're going to be out there like kind of crowing about. It's sort of going to be like a behind the scenes, like hey, you know, it's like you. It's not a demotion, but it's kind of a demotion, you know? And so I don't think that's something he's going to be jumping out and talking about a whole bunch. Have you heard from any of the other uh, assistant coaches? Yeah. Unless they're, like, going somewhere. No. But you no. haven't heard from them. Yeah, true. That Same thing. Yeah. And if he says something, he'd have to address where he is staff-wise. And like Shotgun's alluding to, we don't know any of the staff right now. Right. So. Which we might get some of that de- those details tomorrow. Like, why yeah. Dante Williams retained, if anyone else would potentially be. Because we don't know every assistant, what they're doing. You know, some assistants have announced where they're going. Some haven't. Terry so. Colbert going to Florida. Congratulations to him. Yeah, that's a, from USC wide that's a big one. Why does he coach now? Uh, Joshua on YouTube said, do you foresee any beef between the Texas transfers and Oklahoma staff? I thought this was an interesting question. Yeah, that's interesting. Because uh, I kind of thought about it, and you know, not necessarily that there's beef, but there is knowledge of them. You know, obviously they've recruited Texas, so they've recruited some of these players. Maybe some of these guys were coveted by Oklahoma, and they couldn't get them, and they stayed. You know, decided to stay at Texas, and then it wasn't, didn't work out there. Or maybe they're like, yeah, that guy's not very good. Or they played him and said, oh, we should exploit that guy or whatever. So. Uh, unfortunately for some of those guys that are transfers, you look at it and you go, if if there is an issue with the coaching staff, if you transfer a second time, now you're sitting out a year. You know, everyone's allowed to waive a, a free one-time transfer, but if you transfer a second time, you have to sit out. Yeah. So, um, you know, that could be an issue for some of those guys. I think the fact that there's so many Texas guys on the team te- from Texas, not the University of Texas, I think it gives the staff a little bit of a leg up because they probably either recruited or schemed against those guys. Very familiar with so, them. So, yeah. you know, they should be at least a little bit more familiar, um, even though, you know, Lincoln Riley is coming over and, you know, has no Pac 12 ties. He has recruited in Southern California, so he knows some of the players 
uh, that you on USC's roster from uh, SoCal, but also you should know some of those guys. So I think it gives a little bit of a boost, to, you know, just a, one less step that will have to be taken, you know, to to know the know the roster and know what you have. A galactic makerspace on YouTube wanted Whoa. to know you what are USC's chances with Cyrus Moss? They're in the mix. Yeah, um, he tweeted tweeted something uh, today about you know him in. in um, USC gear from his visit the last couple of weeks. So, and asked uh, fans what they thought it looked like, how'd it look? Um, yeah. So, you know, you can go on Instagram and respond to him if you want. Don't tweet at recruits. Yes. Don't but do if that. they ask don't a question, them. don't do it. But if they ask you a question, you can answer it. Yeah. Don't tweet at them. <laughs> a DFI said, Do you think uh, USC should have listened to Reggie Bush and got Deion Sanders as head coach? We could have got the number one player in the country. Talk about a crazy uh, development. Yesterday. That was crazy. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be game-changing as far as, like, you know, we'll see. But I mean, that's a big move. I mean, it's, it's more of like a Florida State thing. Like, there was a whole big Twitter space about fire Mike Norvell after that happened. Uh, you might see some of that happening. Uh, and, it's, you know, it's really interesting uh, develop it. But, no, I think you're much better off with Lincoln Riley than Deion Sanders as your head coach. Yeah. Deion is a terrific recruiter, so personable. But he hasn't yet proven that he's a great coach. I think he's shown he's at least a good coach because, you know, they won their conference. He's, yeah, he's, um, yeah. But part of that is he's getting superior athletes, and that that's a big thing in in, uh, in college football. Look at Urban Meyer. I was going to say, Urban Meyer, yeah. When you don't have superior athletes, how good are you as a coach then? And that's, uh, that's obviously a different thing. But he's, he's not only doing it with getting Travis Hunter and doing really well with recruiting uh, just the high school players, transfer portal, uh, Abdul Malik McLean. If you remember him yeah, from USC, yeah. uh, played for Jackson State this year. Uh, they also went in the portal and they got multiple guys. There was a couple guys. I think there were a couple SEC guys. They're like their final year. They wanted to decide to go to to a, um, an HBCU and play for Deion Sanders. And you know, if you're a cornerback, I, I don't know what coach you would other coach you'd want to play for. Yeah, I mean he's prime time. Just, but just because he's in those Aflac commercials doesn't mean he's like Nick Saban already. So you got to <laughs> give, give him some time. <laughs> Um, shouts to James who pointed this out on Facebook. Uh, Blair Angulo actually 30 minutes ago put in a crystal ball for Cyrus Moss to USC. Oh. The confidence level is low, but it's Blair, so right. who knows? So Blair. just just so you know, just a little Blair FYI. Knows his stuff. I mean, that's uh, that's notable. That is definitely notable because yeah. Blair is is linked in with all those. Vegas, Utah, Colorado kids more than anyone else. So. Yep. Shouts to Blair. Adjuster Smith wanted to know, will Colin Mobley be ready to play next season in a significant amount? Interesting question. Um, I don't know. You know, saw some flashes from him early. Didn't get much playing time as the season developed. Um, and with a new scheme, you know, Anyone can kind of take a big jump forward. You know, the scheme may fit someone better than someone else, but also how quickly do you grasp the scheme? Uh, I think that there's no big advantage to experience as far as grasping schemes besides what you've seen differently uh, in college than what you see in high school. So maybe he's a guy that takes a big jump forward. Yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure what body types they're going to be looking for, but he would kind of fit in that same mold as uh, Barquette does. He's not as twitchy there. But and he's he's a pretty big kid, but he moves pretty well for his size. So uh, he's not the three hundred thirty pound you know stump in the middle of your defense. But he he's a guy that can move a little bit and get can create some lanes into the backfield. So he could be a guy to take a jump forward. But he's one that uh, you will we'll be keeping an eye on just because uh, a guy that looks the part 
and didn't get a ton of playing time. So is he ready to take a that step forward? Mm -hmm. uh, we've already discussed this a little bit, but I just want to go back to it. Daniel said, I guess I expected a better first signing day, and especially with Oregon's head coach leaving and, and Lincoln Riley coming in. If more are arriving before February, how many do you think USC will have in this class? It just seemed like expectations maybe were a little too high, considering yeah. the time that Lincoln Riley and his half put together staff had. I mean, you've been working on this class for a couple of years and you had two weeks. You know, there was not a like, there was, I think it's what he was able to do in those last couple of weeks. Now, it's not over. So the problem is, it's going to be, you have to look at it as a whole. Like, look at it in February. Like, oh, okay. Picked up these guys at the All Star games. Maybe, maybe a guy or two tomorrow. Um, you know, and then so, and some guys that have waited uh, for the February signing period. And that's where I think some of those, you know, potential Oregon players are, are moving around. But it's it was, it's a crazy time when you're switching coaches, and then these players uh, half the time don't know what's going on. They're trying to figure out, wait, what, where, you know, where's this guy going? Who's there? And uh, it's it's difficult. So I don't think you could expect Lincoln Riley to come in and sign 25 players and average like 4.2 stars uh, in two weeks. It's just not going to happen. But if you look at the whole class uh, coming up uh, with you know with February and all of that over the next couple of months, I think it'll be uh, much better than what it is right now. And even looking at the total class, because you can still pick up three or four transfers. Yeah, the transfer uh, thing's been part of it. 24-7 Sports has now made it so that those are aligned. Uh, so the class rankings will include transfers. Now, there will be separate high school rankings and transfer rankings, but there is a class ranking that includes both. Um, so I think the... The totality of the class won't really be known until August. Yeah. I mean, the roster is going to look different. Like, you might see players that were on the roster now that you expect it to be, and they're not in August. And then a whole bunch of new guys that, you know, it could be, they could hit the transfer portal pretty hard. So, uh, I, I think it's a good point. You might have to wait till August, but wait until February to see as far as like a traditional recruiting class. It will be better than what you're seeing right now. True. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll finish with a couple more. Um, and, you know, there will be a couple – there could be some surprising. Parker Lewis was really surprising to me to see him going yeah. in. Uh, you know, one of the Pac-12's best kickers this year. Missed a couple games, but he goes into the transfer portal. And this is something to remember, and I know a lot of people asked, why would he enter? It's not always about what happens on the field. Yeah. You know, you're homesick or family member has an issue or you need to be home to help out or you just don't like the culture, you don't like – the beach, you know, you prefer the mountains, whatever it may be. So, you know, sometimes people would look at it and they go, why would he do this? He's going to be this and this lineup. Why yeah. would Jay Toya leave USC when he's, you know, potentially going to get first team snaps going into fall? It's not always about just the playing time on the field. Yeah. Apparently, according to chat, hopefully they're not lying to me. Jenna Nuoso just made a spectacular play on Thursday Night Football. I think he picked off um, Holmes. Oh, so look oh, for yeah. that. I can't believe we don't have it on. We got we, a, usually we do in the one time. I we know. Don't. Yeah. That's, oh, my, that's my guy right there, Chenna. I know. He's yeah. He's uh, he's great. He was cool super dude. nice. Yeah. Uh, Casey said, "Who will enroll early in January for spring practice?" I believe Relique Brown is. Um, I think he was enrolling early. I I can't remember all the names. Uh, that would be a Chris Trevino or Gerard question. Yeah. We'll, we'll know for sure down. tomorrow. They they list it out. Yeah. They will list it. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll know for sure. Um. We have multiple questions wondering why Lincoln Riley hasn't been able to get an uh, offensive line coach yet, and should USC fans be concerned about that, or is that just part of the process right now? I think it's part of the process. So you did have – I mean, he had his sights on somebody that was going to be really good, someone that had worked for him already that was a co-offensive coordinator, and it seemed like, from the sources I've talked to, that it was understood that uh, Bill Bob was going to come 
uh, with Lincoln Riley to USC from Oklahoma. Things changed. They end up making uh, Brett Venables hire, and so they they make a good hire. Oklahoma makes a really good hire. You know they're going to get a good coach. Uh, he can make a pitch for someone like that to stay, and he ends up staying. So I think that sort of was like you had a plan A. There was a whole bunch of things you had to do at once. And if you have something like, okay, this is this is my plan for offensive line coach, but I have like five million other plans for other things, you probably don't have a whole bunch of backup plans going on. So, you know, they needed to go to a backup plan, but it wasn't going to be like, okay, we're going to fill that right now. It's going to be, okay, we'll take care of this. We'll get somebody good. But we're, we have all these other things that we have to deal with right now. So there was just, there wasn't enough hours in the day, I think, for that situation. So they didn't have like three plans for what they would do for the offensive line coach. They had a good plan for one. That ended up falling through like last minute. So then I think that's why you where you are right now. I think it's a little bit of that, um, you know, the priority of that when they thought they had had it lined up and then if it falls apart, or where is that on your priority list is immediate. I think with the fact, and I don't know if USC was part of the reason why some of the offensive linemen pushed their, their decision back, but it's going to help USC out uh, for that. So maybe the coaching staff, when they talked to some of these players, said, hey, we want to get you on. We want to yeah. wait till." Uh, you know, the, the, the new hire is in. And so I don't think it really hurt USC necessarily, except with Andre Roy. You would like to have, have, have had a better shot at him uh, with the fact that he signed yesterday. So, But the other three that they're, you know, in the mix for, uh, you know, Ernest Green, I don't believe, signed either. Now USC doesn't seem to be high on his list. Um, but, again, more time the, and the opportunity to get a higher end, the better chances you have. Uh, we're almost at the top of the hour, so I'm going to put us into rapid fire mode. The boss man is doing a show six, so thank you, boss man, for powering. A little under through. the weather, but that's okay. Under the weather, so, uh, yeah, because you felt fine. You're like, let me go play golf in terrible. I played weather. golf in the rain. It was bad. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan. I, sometimes I wonder if you're if you're what the age you are if you're still a teenager. It's I sad. pretty much am. Yeah, <laughs> I eat like a teenager and I act like a teenager. Yeah, yeah. with the most respect. Uh, George wanted to know: Have you heard about uh, USC football season tickets being sold more since Lincoln Riley's hiring? The amount I haven't heard the number or anything, but the answer is yes. Yeah, and more. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we could just tell you that we've had people tell us, I renew my tickets uh, after three years of not having tickets type yeah. of thing. So We've seen an absolute surge. Uh, I think it started in September when Clay Elton was fired. Uh, but that sort of like backed off a little bit because the team started to struggle and it just wasn't looking that good. But bringing in Lincoln Riley, everything has just turned up. And, uh, you know, we've seen it. On our shows, the numbers of the people listen to the podcast, the Thanks, people guys. that read the articles, um, sub subscribers. Thank you all for for subscribing to the site. You can still go on there now and do it. But and I think you know the people we've talked to in the athletic department, they're extremely happy with what's going on. And there's just so much enthusiasm that where it hasn't been for years. It's just been sort of like yeah. you didn't feel like this was a place that was going to be as special as it can be. And I think you know. I think you had to have faith that, like, yeah, they were going to get somebody good. They're going to hire someone good. They're going to try to bring this program back to prominence. I think the fans were ready for it. Um, so, yeah, I think people are going to come back. And uh, there's been a lot of talk on the message boards about season tickets. We haven't got numbers or anything yet. But, yeah, I, I mean, there's so much more interest now than there was before. It's crazy. Andrew want to know, will Alex Grinch run his 3-4 at USC, or is it going to be more of a 4-2-5 hybrid? I think that's to be determined by what the roster has yeah. and what they can get in. What is their ideal? Um, I haven't had a chance to talk with him about that and see uh, what his ideal defense is, what his ideal edge players look like, You know how he likes to use 
those are all questions I like to when I talk to coaches, just kind of picking their brains and seeing, you know, what are their philosophies and how they go about it. We haven't had a chance to do that with him. And, you know, really good coaches are still flexible and say, you know what, this guy doesn't fit in that mold, but let's try this differently to use him and try to get the best out of him. That's your best coaches out there that can mold stuff around their players rather than trying to fit, you know, certain players into roles that don't really fit them. Archer wanted to know, is T-Mac seriously considering Arizona? Yes. Arizona's done a really good job. Uh, Jetfish has got some – they're 1-11, and the only game they won was a COVID game from Cal. Uh, but there's excitement in that program, and they were competitive. They were more competitive than Stanford in a lot of those games. Um, more competitive was, than USC in those Coliseum yeah, no, games. Very true. Uh, they scored the most points. The most points they scored all season was against USC in the Coliseum. Uh, but it, there is some momentum building there uh, at Arizona. So – that's a you know it's a possibility for anybody. I, we'll see. I mean, I'm going to talk to Brandon Huffman tomorrow a little bit about the whole Pac-12. I'll try to get some thoughts on that for you guys later. But uh, yeah, they they they've been really impressive so far. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule them out. Plus the guys that went there from Servite already that have already signed Noah yeah. Fafita, uh, Ken Burnett. Those are guys that he grew up playing with. So you go that, with your buddies, that, that yeah. is part of the attraction there. Um, Burnett is a legacy at Arizona, so he can tell him, hey, this is what my dad's do all this. But it's just continuing to play with your buddies, and with the other choice was Oregon. That was his, you know where he was com- or he is committed, I believe. He's I, I think don't he's think, still. Committed. I don't think he's officially decommitted. Um, but obviously, Cristobal leaves. Brian McClendon, the wide receivers coach, who I believe was going to be the interim coach for the bowl game. I don't know if he is still going to do that, but he is leaving to go to Miami as well. Yeah. So now the head coach leaves and. You know, maybe you have a really good relationship with your position coach and you still want to stay, but he's now gone. he's gone. So that's a big reason why he may be considering Arizona. He looks at his options and say, do I want to go to Oregon? A lot of unknowns. I can go with my buddies. I know a lot of USC fans are like, why is he not considering USC? Not everyone wants to go to, you know, stay home and, and go to USC. We got a question from Ryan who said, what's the word on the street from transfers about USC? Do they want to come? Is Riley sparking interest? There's definitely interest. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Marvin Jones Jr. doesn't come out unless there's at least some interest. Yeah. Uh, and the same thing with Haskins, the the offensive lineman that we talked about from Virginia, and a couple of those other guys. There's some interest. Now, the question is finding the right guys. I, I know there's a lot of big-name targets out there, but one of the biggest thing about the transfer portal is finding the right guys are going to fit because you go into the transfer portal for a reason. Right. Now, sometimes it's just, hey, the coach left – and I don't think the new coach coming in is going to you know, use me the way I want to be used. But sometimes it's there's drama off the field. Sometimes it's academics. There's a lot of different reasons why guys can be go in the transfer portal. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. So you got to figure out what that is if you want to be uh, – if you want to have a group that, that plays together. Alex wanted to know where you see Max Gibbs fitting. Which side of the ball do you see Max Gibbs fitting in next season? Huh. Yeah, What's that's a- interesting. Is he's expressed interest of still being on the offensive line, even though he has found success on defense. I mean, I, I, he's expressed interest in playing both ways. Um, some, but I think his future is on the offensive line, especially with Grinch coming in and he, the nose tackles he's used at times, right. being those smaller, quicker guys. Not the big guy like that. Yeah. Um, so, but he's he's got a quick first step. <laughs> I, I think part of it is going to be where his body's at. If he can continue to lose weight, if he gets down to 340 versus 360, 370, 380, uh, that's a much different player that you're using there. Uh, rather than being a tank in the middle, whether using being able to use that quickness a little bit more. So body questions will be there, but I think offensive line is where he ultimately ends up. Yeah. Uh, Leonard want to know, what's happening with Drake Jackson? 
Uh, right now, it's probably just hanging out, chilling. <laughs> um, I, you want me to text him real quick to see what he's doing? His to? future shotgun. Oh, uh, he's going to go to the NFL. Um, I would think so, yeah. That's been his – he said it from the very beginning. Nothing is lent. There's no been like, wow, well, I don't know. Maybe I made uh, – he's going to the NFL. Yeah. Um, Warzone Clips wanted to know where does Corey Foreman fit in, into Alex Grinch's defense? He's going to be on the edge. Yeah. Um, you can rush the passer. I think he'll be rush, rush the passer. You should be okay. One of those things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Rub the pass clearly. Yeah. And obviously, uh, you know, I heard him in an interview talk about the things he learned this year. And he, we talked to William after the last game talking about, you know, your your best ability is your availability. And he understand. I think he understands that a little bit more now. And you know, getting used to the routines of college with all the classwork and all that. I think that took him a little bit of time. Yes. Especially having not played in a year and a half, basically. So um, I think that took some time. But when he was on the field, you could see the the elite ability to get to the quarterback. Even if he only had four or five snaps in a game, he, one of them he was getting a pressure on. Yeah. So I mean, that was the case in the last game. For some reason, he only played four snaps. All in one series. He and, he and Julio Fadonico played together on one series, and they got two sacks on the series. Foreman had one of them, did. and they didn't play again. I, I, again, this is just me finally charting the game. You're but like, I was like, what? <laughs> wait, what? I, I remember seeing them in there. I got some photos of his sack, but I was like, wait, that was it? That's interesting. Crazy. We had a question from Daniel who said, I heard some players say that there was a culture clash, especially between Texas players and California players. Do you think Riley and staff will get that under control? I think it'll get figured out, and yeah. one, there's going to be a lot of roster turnover. But uh, I heard that the uh, a player I talked to said that things were getting had been sewn up a little bit towards the end of the year. That was a much a bigger issue early in the season, but they were a lot of pulling towards the, in the same direction towards the end of the year. Yeah, as far I think, as that dynamic, I don't think you're, if you're in a clique or whatever. I think Riley comes in and it's going to be like. This is the way. Like it's not. It's not like oh, this is the California way or the Texas way or whatever it is. Shed it's like well, you're all this way. I don't care where you're from. Uh, whatever you could be from Mars, you're going to be following my orders. You're doing what this, what we want to do. So it's all about installing his culture there, and that's going to be the big difference. The Mandalorian way. This is the way. <laughs> Bless you. Sorry about that. I thought Ooh. you screamed my name instead of excuse you. Uh, no. <laughs> Andrew said, "Well, this year's transfers who didn't play much, like Ishmael Sopcher and Jake Smith, stay with USC." Well, they got to get healthy before they can do anything. Yeah, and then they you, play for anybody. And you can't just transfer again with no penalties. So uh, I think you're, you got to be available. Uh, they got to both get healthy and then see what they can do. And I heard a source was eyeing Jake Smith. Uh, I have heard from a source that Lincoln Riley was eyeing Jake Smith as a potential <laughs> weapon. That was that was a weird. Is sentence. this a female source? <laughs> well, I was eyeing Jake Smith. And no, uh, the, the coaching staff. The coaching staff was eyeing. Oh, okay. Um, we had a question from Mark who said. Someone think of the most open-ended question ever. If Shotgun never finishes answering the question, <laughs> he can't leave. I agree. I think that's a great, a it's great. Not that hard, you know. Like he just Shotgun. I'm not Gerard. Come on, guys. <laughs> that's true. You're close though. You're People like one like, Holy cow, Gerard! Last week, you know. I know the Gerard experience. You ask him one question on the phone, and two hours later, you're hanging up. It's pretty you're like, crazy. You ask an offensive question, and then like you know, 20 minutes later, he's talking about one on the defensive side. Like, no, we didn't ask you about that yet. Like, it's like, hold on. Yeah, um, we had a lot of questions. Shotgun, is that your real hair? What else would it be? I, I mean, what, what <laughs> would it be? People were stunned that you... I'm right here next to it. It looks very real. Yes, it is his real hair. Um, Shotgun, 
in honor of your last show, any final questions you want to ask before we wrap this up? The boss man wants a short show. I haven't even been able to get through all the questions. Thanks, you guys, so much for, for submitting so many questions. I've been trying to throw them in our document so Keely can get to them. But um, I don't have anything in particular that, that has really stood out. Uh, but, uh, oh, uh, there was one, actually. Uh, Andrew Hawks, the, one of the last ones, was, do you think the Urban Meyer experience will keep guys like Lincoln Riley from taking or getting NFL jobs? And maybe in a similar vein, Matt Rule not having as much success uh, this year with Carolina either. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing, like Shock had mentioned this earlier, and I was talking to uh, you know, a college football uh, reporter that you know, covers all these things. Urban Meyer had the best players around. Like, you had be better players than everyone. So every time you play a game, you had better players, like just about every time. I mean, maybe you play Alabama in the championship or something, and that doesn't happen in the NFL. Um, so you have to find someone that's – I mean, there's got to be things that work. Pete Carroll worked. He was in the NFL before. He understood how it worked. But he had like that kind of rah-rah thing that worked in college too. Um, so maybe it's someone where, you, you know, Jimmy Johnson was – you know, he's been on both sides, and he's, he was always interested in the NFL. I read somewhere – there was one story on Urban Meyer that like he didn't even watch – like NFL games, something like that, where like he wasn't even a fan of the NFL. So how do you like go through? I think it was uh, it might have been um, uh, Bruce Feldman talking on the, on the Audible, but like talking about like yeah, I mean he wasn't like a big NFL guy, and then you go to the NFL, like you don't really quite understand it. Where like Jimmy Johnson was, you know, and Pete Carroll was. Um, so I think you have to find the right college coach to make that work. I mean, it takes it's a different style, different personality. Cliff Kingsbury crushing it with the Cardinals. Wasn't a guy that uh, apparently I don't know this much about Kingsbury, but didn't like to recruit as much. He's an X and O's guy. Yeah, you know what you do in the NFL? You X, X and O. It's yeah. all about the coaching staff and X and O's. It's much more about the the X's and O's and um, schematically and being able to execute the X's and O's than in college, where if your guys are just better, yeah. they could, as we've seen with USC the last decade, sometimes you can just you win on talent alone, uh, whether your scheme is great or not. And I think in the NFL, you, you can't do that. You get exposed real quick. Yeah. You know, and that's why it's constantly changing. Some, some team looks really good early in the season, and then one team figures them out, and then everyone else says, we're going to do the same thing. We'll do the same thing. We'll do this. And suddenly they lose four games in a row. Um, whereas in college, you make a couple adjustments, and, hey, your running back breaks four tackles. That doesn't happen very often <laughs> right. in the NFL. Not every, there's not very many beast mode runs no. like Marshawn Lynch had. Uh, Andrew wanted to know specifically from you, Shotgun, what's the meaning of life and football? We'll 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 take some time to really get this answer right. No, just kidding. I do not have an answer for that. Okay. Thanks, uh, Andrew. The Ryan, meaning of life is, is be kind to people. Ryan, favorite memories of Shotty Spratt off the top of your head? Oh, yeah. So you guys, I heard you guys on the Family Feud. Yeah. Um, Plug. Plug. Hey, remember, see, I didn't prepare. I should have prepared Ryan, for Ryan, while you're thinking... Shotgun, can you explain to the people who came late or not follow us on every platform? Where are you going? What are you doing? Your oh, yeah. life story. I'm, I'm I'm moving to the East Coast uh, to be closer to some family. Um, the plan is, I know some people have asked this, the plan is to still continue covering USC sports uh, for Ryan, at least as of now, um, going forward. And, you know, I'm hoping we're still trying to figure out everything. We're talking with 24-7 about some different things as well, but... I'm hoping to try to come out to LA or two events, maybe once one weekend a month or something this during the off season. So that USC UCLA basketball game, you can probably expect to see me there. Plan to be in Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, we still got to figure out some of the logistics and different things of how everything's going to work. But I'm also going to try to get some podcast equipment, 
try to bring the herd in on the sidelines podcast. Have a little bit more time. Hopefully, get some uh, some unique guests on there. Nice to try to do some different content. If I'm not able to see every practice and you know be around, maybe I can do some a little bit different things. But the goal is to still be covering USC uh, going forward. For now, we'll see how that you know how it evolves and how life changes. But that's the plan. For the next, we'll say the next three or four weeks at least. <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go a month in advance. Goodness, that's, that's a long time for me. Keely, yeah. Keely can attest. That's, to that. Yeah, that's that's a lot. I usually plan stuff shotgun. out like two days in advance at most. Yeah, no, I, I we met some people at the basketball game yesterday, and they were talking to me like, oh, I can't believe Shotgun's leaving, and like it's I'm so in denial. <laughs> like you're coming back, something's not. It's not right. It's not true. It's been so much going on. Chris asked yeah. me uh, if I was getting a Christmas present for someone, and I was like, Wait, when's Christmas? Oh yeah, that's coming up, right? I th- for some reason I'm, like, in my head it's been like December third for uh, for like two weeks in a row. It is not, and I'm like, oh, there's no way I can yeah. order anything online and it get there on time. So. Yeah, yeah. Ryan, Whoops. are uh, you prepared? I mean, I think like we went to uh, Georgia for like a gathering. I think it was him and his roommate had a party or something. Uh, <laughs> that, that was. <laughs> Uh, that was fun. Yeah, that was that was pretty fun. Uh, meeting the little Zed Master, like he, you know, that was a pretty special <laughs> moment. It didn't really involve shotgun. That was more his roommate, but uh, it was cool. Uh, but I think just like first meeting, like I met shotgun, but I think we were at some seven on seven event or something, and he was working for somebody else, and I was just like. Yeah, just come work for me. Like I was just like, <laughs> that's the Ryan way. That's the Ryan way. Pretty much. Out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually get um, Ryan offered me a job um, the same time I had received two other job offers in a th- uh, three day span or a two day span. Oh yeah, you were like, and it was all coming up Millhouse that day, yeah. and I took them all. <laughs> wow, look at that. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, we had a question from Michael who said, "Would you rather be a TV or a radio?" Thought it was interesting. I wanted to ask. Be a TV. Like a physical TV yeah, or, or a radio. physical radio? My first take is radio because you're timeless. You're classic. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be a TV. Do you want to be touched? Because the radio, they probably have to like oh, turn God. your dials. Well, now like, that you said TV, that. The you have to, like, if it's like a remote. Like, I don't know. The TV because everybody's going to be watching me. True. That's true. That's I, true. I, I do like to be the center of attention. Yeah. Yeah, but they used true. to like, you know, in the 50s, they would like sit around the radio and listen to like Little Orphan Annie and stuff. Like, that's good. Oh, it's, it's uh, that's a, a memory that's kind of. Um, that I'm nostalgic about, you know, hearing people sitting around a radio and watching uh, or listening to a game or a boxing match yeah. or something like having 30 people surrounding it. And you get the similar uh, event with, uh, you know, TVs and stuff, but sure. just that camaraderie, which is great that we're starting to go forward from COVID and unfortunately Omicron or whatever it is, is, is causing issues and, Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. Yeah. Because uh, obviously you look over at UCLA, they've uh, had to cancel a women's basketball game now after canceling a men's basketball game. So, Crazy. Um, you know, that's something to, to keep an eye on. So try to stay safe during this this winter winter time when, uh, you know, everyone's getting sniffles over here and whatnot. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, I got also- my booster. I'm good. But just like, man, I should have got out in the rain today. <laughs> yeah, that would be smart. <laughs> uh, sorry, we had a question. Who are you going to miss more, me or Ryan? Do I have to miss either one of you? <laughs> yeah. Keely's, Keely's my my right hand man. Over yeah. there, so hey, look at that! We, we've been through thick and thin uh, over and you know covering USC Moving and, in and the all trenches. This stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a little sister. It's a it's a, a little bit bittersweet uh, leaving, uh, knowing that the things I'm still going to be covering USC. So it's not as like you know it's not there's no tears coming here or whatever. But uh, it's just not sitting in this chair <laughs> yeah. for a while. Yeah, but it'll be like COVID. It's just pretend. True, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, um, it, it's been it's been really fun covering USC, even though the teams haven't been that great. It's been really fun for me 
I've been covering USC basketball basically since I got to USC. And to see a team that is a top 10 team right now has been fun. So that's part of the reason why I'm still going to be covering USC basketball or USC sports. I was like, this basketball team has a chance to be special. And I'm not missing out on a special run after, you know, seeing USC lose 42 to 36 to Cal Poly. You know, I had to cover that game too. Teams with no name recruits on. Now you're getting five star recruits. Yeah. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna still cover this team at least. And there's some great players on the team, great personalities. Yeah. I'm hoping to have a story for you guys um, around Christmas, maybe between Christmas and, and New Year's, um, about Chavez Goodwin, his backstory, and uh, you know what goes into his number. He wears the number one. I asked all the players why they wear the number that they wear. So some interesting kind of funny stuff there as oh, well. Cool. Uh, so it's a story that I think is gonna be pretty fun. So hopefully I get some time. After this trip, you know, the sojourn starts tomorrow. Basically, as soon as the press conference ends, I'm going to be driving to Arizona because USC basketball plays there tomorrow, um, or Saturday, excuse me. They'll play Georgia Tech. Interesting game because a couple of former players from USC are on that Georgia Tech roster. And then USC will travel to Oklahoma City to play Oklahoma State. So I will follow them to Oklahoma. I uh, drive out that way, and then from there, I will continue my, my jaunt onto the East Coast destination. Nice. It's only fitting that he gets a basketball minute in, you know? It's full <laughs> of course. circle. No, first, full circle. Um, let, let's first, let's also give a shout out to Isaiah Mobley, who is playing like a beast right now. He's averaging 19 points and I think 11 rebounds his last six games. Wow. Four straight 20 point performances in the Galen Center. He's got double doubles in five of his last six games. He's now averaging a double double. Um, early consideration, Pac-12 Player of the Year. He should definitely be in the mix. And Chavez Goodwin said <laughs> yesterday uh, in the presser, he's like, if this man's not in Pac-12 uh, Player of the Year consideration, what are we doing in this conference? Like, <laughs> well, his brother's doing okay, too. In the, in yeah, the Cavs, so. Evan's doing pretty well. The Cavs have been you know, covering the spread almost every game, some ridiculous like 17-game streak. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, the Cavs are playing well. The Mobley, the Mobley brothers are, are doing their thing and helping lead their teams. And Eric Mobley on the bench for USC. Uh, it's been fun for him watching those two grow up while still being able to coach them as well. Yeah, if you haven't watched on this channel, uh, the YouTube channel, Isaiah Mobley and uh, Chavez Goodwin's uh, presser from last night, it was great. Shotgun asked a question that they went on a like, seven-minute answer. It felt like a podcast, but they are great personalities, and it was really cool. You kind of get the personality of the team through that interview, so make sure you watch it. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, very similar to the Mark uh, Watkins asking an opening a question. Um, you know, it was like <laughs> Tim Tesselon with the, the SID said, uh, last question. So I asked them Boom. about each other. And that elicited a back-and-forth conversation yeah. for, for a little while. It was, it was really great, though, so make sure you check it out. All righty, gentlemen, any final thoughts before we wrap this show up? Going to miss my buddy Shotgun sitting here. Shotty Spratt. Uh, he's still involved. Don't worry. He's not gone. He's going to still be doing stuff. You'll still hear about his stuff. You know, he'll still be on the f- podcast. We'll still get him on this. So. He'll still be tweeting but we will. Stop. We definitely will miss him uh, <laughs> yes. being here. So. For sure, for sure. I'm going to miss his hair, too. <laughs> I think we all will. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Still haven't processed that either. You don't. Alrighty, Shadi, any final thoughts before we end this sh- the show? This has been a, a fun journey, like I said, and uh, it's been so much fun. I've, I've said this multiple times in the last couple of weeks, but it's been so much fun. Even this year, when the football team has been terrible, the, the the play on the field has been terrible. You guys coming up and showing your support and telling us how much you enjoy the podcast or that you watch Tunnel Vision. I mean, the fact that we've had the last couple of shows, we've been over a thousand viewers of this show, getting over six hundred. When uh, you know USC didn't really kill yesterday, yeah. um, you know it's just it's it's been phenomenal to see the participation and love the fact for you guys that 
everyone, there's more excitement now for you. I know, I know there's some real, some bad doldrums uh, for this team the last couple of years and people just saying, it's not good for my health to be, to follow this team. Yes. I, I got to unsubscribe. I got to, you know, log off, whatever it is. And for you guys to be able to, to have that excitement going forward, we'll see how it goes. I, I don't know that this first season, the schedule works out nice for them, but I think there's still some definite questions there. A little bit better now that we see those offensive linemen come back because I thought that was going to be a big issue for them. But we'll see what the team looks like and, and how they go forward. But I'm just I'm I'm happy for you guys to see the excitement come back uh, for for everyone being able to to follow this team as a fan. Yeah. Dave S said, Keely, please be sure to pack up some stock neutral for Shotty to take with him. Don't you worry. I packed it up to the brim in <laughs> his car. There's no room in my car no, for pretty no, much no. anything. He has stock neutral for I've days. actually got a re-Tetris because I. I wasn't able to see out of the, you know, I can't look over my shoulder to check my blind spot right now. Uh, you know, I could barely see one mirror. Literally, this is what happened yesterday. Um, you know, it was a couple minutes late to the meetup that we were having before the game. And thank you, everyone, that, that came over and said hello and, and, you know, or stopped by during the game at different times. But I was trying to finish charting. I also had to do the last packing of everything in the apartment yeah. because I had to be out of the apartment. Um, and so trying to jam everything in the car and figure out what would go, what needed to be thrown away. So it was a, it was a fun little ordeal trying to do that while sprinting back and forth from my car, which always ends up being the case for me. Every time I pack a move somewhere, it's never like, oh, we have plenty of time. It's literally no. a sprint back and forth. Well, because you're late to everything, Shaka. That is not true, but <laughs> at the when I'm lived in uh, – one quick story. When I lived in Crenshaw <laughs> my first year at USC, um, I moved to Sherman Oaks to, to live with my best friend my second year, and – that I was doing it in the summer. We had had some buddies come in for a baseball road trip, went to Dodger Stadium, Angel Stadium, went to San Diego, went up to San Francisco, came back. So I'm trying to pack everything into my car to move my stuff up there. And I'm also catching a flight to go to South Africa uh, for an internship. <laughs> the most shocking thing ever. Jeez. <laughs> and the, I had to make a couple of trips. And the last trip, there was traffic. And I was like, there's no way I'm making this flight if I try – if I go on the 10 and if I go north on the 405. So I was like, can you come pick up my car? Um, and his brother, I was moving in with him and his brother. So he was like, yeah, we can drive down. Just leave the key where we can find it type of thing. Nice. <laughs> or else I would have missed a flight to South Africa. Holy cow. <laughs> wow. Well, on that note, <laughs> yeah, time to wrap it up. Shadi, thanks so much for all your contributions on Tunnel Vision. Still gonna do instant tomorrow. I'm gonna save my 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 nice <laughs> for tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, so weird. I'm not I'm not accepting this. Alrighty, that's gonna wrap it up for today's episode. Be sure to stay tuned for Monday. Uh, Monday's Tunnel Vision episode Much with Brandon Sosna, Chief Staff, USC Athletic Department. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Make sure you you brainstorm the questions. He's a he's a tough one to crack. So start <laughs> thinking of your questions now. Uh, that's gonna wrap it up. That's Ryan. That's Shaka. And I'm Keely. We'll see y'all next time. <laughs>